Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We are alive, season seven, episode seven. It's the second week of January 2023. We are in the freezer, Jeff. Ice is happening finally everywhere. Yes. For which sure. is super exciting and we'll talk more about ice conditions later but it's super exciting to know that like fishing is finally going um we have a great topic tonight we are joined by Han- hannah anima and she is an artist and a fisheries uh, minnesota fisheries expert and so we're super excited to have her on the show and jeff what you drinking i have a story to go with my a story. So I have, a I have a co-host named Jason, and he lives in Iowa. I do. This and, is true. And yeah. often on this show, we'll stop at a gas station yes. and buy some very crummy beer. <laughs> I don't... Crummy's a push. I wouldn't say it's crummy. Uh, what time. was that malt liquor 40 was, thing or that whatever? That was a little tough. That was a little tough. <laughs> okay. That one's well, tough. Yeah, maybe the effort level isn't as high. So uh, this <laughs> or my curiosity, I have curiosity. Maybe like, what does this taste like? But maybe that curiosity is okay. This weekend, I happened to be in the great state of Iowa, and you didn't even shop by. And well, there was a blizzard. <laughs> there was a hell of a blizzard. It was it was stout. It was not safe for anybody to be on the road, but I went to Iowa anyways. It was minus 19 when I woke up. Minus 19. It was warmer in Minnesota than it was in Iowa. Yeah, it was. We had a heck of a freeze. So I went out into the tundra of Iowa, minus 19 degrees with like at least 10 feet of snow on the ground. (laughs) That's a little bit of an example. Okay, it is, but... But it's not totally an exaggeration. There's a lot of snow in Iowa. <laughs> there is. There is. In Ames, Iowa, there's lots of snow. And I went to a gas station. Which one did you go to? Did you go to the Come and Go? No, I didn't. And I, did you hear that somebody bought Come and Go? Yeah. And I they're have. getting rid of the name. Are they really? So get your Come and Go merchandise before it goes. Yeah, that's important. It is. I read this. No, I, I probably don't care. Um, I, mean, I was just trying to think about where you were staying at. There was a come and go down for me if you stayed where I thought you stayed. No, I, I stayed at the Radisson in oh, Ames. The high dollar place. Uh, it was not high dollar. Nobody no. wanted to. When it's Radisson 19, is less high dollar than it, it was high dollar in like 1986. Yeah. <laughs> when it's minus 19 and there's 10 feet of snow on the ground, nothing is high dollar. The, the, we, Okay, we're way off subject here, but anyway, go on. You're you're trying to talk okay. about your beer, and I've led so you. So I went to the gas station. I went to this gas station called Fill Up or Filler Up, or it was like a restaurant that had barbecue and some restauranty kind of thing, <laughs> and then okay. a gas station, and it was called like Fill It Up or Filler Up or Okay, uh, Full Up. I, I think I know right where you were. It, yeah, very eclectic gas station. Yeah, it, and it they was, have a lot of beer there. They do have a lot yes, of beer there. They do. I've been there. So I had trudged from Minnesota to Iowa in a blizzard and not just like, you know, how people say there's a blizzard and it's like, oh yeah, there's a, this is not a saying there's a blizzard. This was 
I stopped in Albert Lee because I needed to gather myself up to to prepare myself for a further drive all the way down to Iowa because it was like I'm halfway there, so to go back would be halfway and to go to my destination. Might as well just press press forward at but, this point. But it was scary. Like you couldn't see past. It wasn't a slippery road problem. It was a visibility problem. Yeah. Yep. It was me. It was like 40, 50 mile an hour wind or 40 mile an hour winds all it, day. It was dumb. Yeah. You know, it was super dumb. You know, when the news tells you don't travel and you're like, ah, they say that about every day. Cause they kind of do sometimes, right? They'll say don't travel. And you're like, that's fine. But this was the day when they said don't travel. And they really meant don't travel. You should have, you should have listened. Yes. This was the <laughs> listening day. I didn't listen. I drove the three and a half supposed hour commute from Minnesota to Iowa. That was really more like five hours. And I got there. I got my, my kid moved into his dorm room and I was ready to sit down and watch a football game and have a beverage. So I made it to the filler up gas station. Okay. And, and I proved that there is more beer to be had at an Iowa gas station than just uh, malt liquor beers well, or whatever. I mean, you're in a college town. Oh, so this is like higher level gas station. Well, there's one. I mean, most of them are similar to what I experienced, but the one you happen to happen upon. I mean, I think you can all you can also get barbecue at it yes. and like desserts and all sorts of pickled things. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. It's I've like a mini. There. It's like a. It's like a quick trip, but. Southern style, maybe? I don't maybe, know. Maybe, I don't know. It's just a, it's a kind of a cool place. So I wandered in there and looked at the various mini beers that you could buy one over for a pack. Yeah, Pick, yeah. Picked out a very expensive one from Toppling Goliath Brewing Company, which is in Decorah, Iowa, I yep. believe. I've been there, actually. Which is, Decorah, Iowa is up in the top right corner there of Iowa. Yeah, yep. And I was so excited after this long commute through the blizzard Moving in 19 below weather, get to the hotel, get this beer. It's terrible. (laughs) He he didn't like the beer. So, and it's one of those things where like you call IPAs carpet beer, but some people love them. I think this is, it is a called morning latte, imperial morning latte, morning latte. (laughs) I think I found your problem. (laughs) (laughs) Morning Latte Imperial Coffee Milk Stout. So I like the milk stout part, but it is not my jam, Jason. Like, But yeah, like, you've brought it to the show tonight to drink again. Well, so I'm going to open this. <laughs> but not going to drink it. And I'm going to take some sips, and then we will switch over to Samuel Adams. <laughs> Winter lager because it's cold. Okay, okay. But, but I was out to prove you wrong that there are good beers in an Iowa gas station. And I failed. <laughs> well, you know, you're not a professional like I am. There we go. Yep. Just as interesting as last time I had it. <laughs> well, I mean, you need to take a picture of that and put it on the show. And and then people can under, when you look at the label, I just wouldn't, if I'm looking for a good beer to watch a game, I certainly wouldn't grab that. I don't know, Jason. It was that's like my, something you're trying to sneak into a meeting and people don't realize it's a beer. 
my brain was warped from the blizzard or something. It was were, not good. You had halos. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. All right. So now that well, I have that long story for 10 minutes, what is your, what is the beer? Yeah, it was about 10 minutes. So I went to the gas station to buy my beer. I thought, you know, I've been, I've been eyeballing this beer for a while and I, I just haven't felt like the time was right. And we've been looking at wanting ice for so long. So long we've been looking for ice, right? But I thought today is the day to celebrate on this show the coming of the ice. That no, no butter better way to do that than with bud ice. Bud ice, I like it. I like it. And not only is this a can of bud ice, it is also the big one, and it is a 1.89 ounces. So Seems like a random size. Yeah, your, your screen background is blurring it out. Yeah, you can't. There we go. Bud Ice. I didn't even yeah. know they made Bud Ice. But this is a <laughs> this is a substantial. It's as big as almost as my microphone. But anyway, here we go. Yeah, they make Bud Ice. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Cheers. I am happy with my choice. That is drinkable. That's sweet. <laughs> and I've had I've had some that haven't been overly drinkable, so that is pretty sweet. That was the next sound of the Samuel Adams. Does the extra the, the backup beer? Mm -hmm. I've never done that. I have always powered through whatever I have brought to the table. That night, I tried to power. I think this through is this. a. I think this is a foul. I tried to power through that. I couldn't foul. do it. It is was not possible for me to drink, and I'm not. Toppling Goliath probably makes really good beers. This one they just do. wasn't for me. I'm not yeah. picking on them specifically, but it just isn't my jam. Somebody probably loves it. Yeah. Did you check like the expiration date on that thing? Maybe it was sitting around. No. No, it just gets that point with some beers where they get too many flavors and it starts to take like syrupy and weird to me. Yeah. It just it has too much going on. I think I like mine a little simpler. But I will say that you went the other way. I mean, Bud Ice. You could ice. You mean that's as far as you can go from morning latte. I mean that <laughs> it, is, it is. Yeah, I went all the way the other way. But like I said, I found it at, you know, my gas station and I'm very happy with my choice. Sweet. I have no regrets this week. <laughs> like the guy with the tattoo saying, that says no regrets and it's spelled no wrong and he goes no regrets no no regrets not even one <laughs> <laughs> the second tattoo reference we've had this year jason i know i know enjoy your butt ice i, I will i was i wanted a butt ice that night and i didn't have one so yeah, they had. I guarantee they had it. You just didn't look. I know. It's I screwed it up. So patrons, Jason, patron of yeah. the show. I I forgot to tell you what the patron of the show is. But I know. I, I looked at the thing. There's nothing there. <laughs> and we appreciate all of our patrons. Absolutely. But I think today, this is just where they're somewhat randomized how I pick them. But today, this one spoke to me, and this is uh, mugs. I just, I don't know why that one stuck out to me. Heck yeah. So mugs, I appreciate the support. Appreciate your dedication to ice fishing and listening to the podcast. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Mugs. Cheers, mugs. Cheers, mugs. The legend's going to be sponsored by Dakota Sunset Resort on Devil's Lake. I, how do you pronounce this, Jeff? 
Miniwakan? Miniwakan, North Dakota. Right next to Devil's Lake. (laughs) Yeah, it's on Devil's Lake there. So it sits on West Bay Lake, or West Bay on Devil's Lake. Um, Six hours from Minneapolis, under three hours from Fargo, and 10 hours from Madison. Um, You can access the lake right from the resort, and you Mm -hmm. can drive on directly from your cabin. So it's pretty cool. Really, first ice for me was like a week a week ago. So will the fish orientate to first ice or are they orientated to January, late January locations right now? That would have been a really good question for Hannah. I know, but she's not here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> maybe what we need, we need to get back a hold or maybe we can talk her into doing like, like a hard question segment. Like when we don't know stuff, we just have her chime in. Tell us what what the real answer is. Yeah. Versus us just making it up. But yeah, do fish act like it's midwinter and they slow down even more? Or are they like first ice fish? Yeah. I don't know. I've been seeing good reports of people catching fish, but. Fishing has seemed to be pretty good from the people that are out. Yeah, I'm not hearing a lot of complaining. But I also wonder, there's so much. You see people catching fish, so you assume everybody's catching fish on social media, right? And the reality is not everybody's catching fish. You just, nope. the pe- that's 20 people who didn't catch a fish, didn't put a post on social media to say they caught a fish, just the one person that caught some. So, yeah. so it's hard to judge that. Yep. But I, I would say, I don't see a lot of, I, you see these posts, you see, Hey, I'm on such and such Lake. I see a lot of people. We're not catching anything. Yes. Can you give a guy, give a guy a hand? I wonder how many of that is because it's been hardcore and only the hardcore of hardest cores are out there of ice fishing. You know, that's that's a good point. We can talk more about that later during our fishing report. All right. All right. We will cover that. So we did get a little correspondence, though. It's been quiet, but um, we got some correspondence from Cole K. And he is in central New York. And he said he is... Got two weeks before I can get out in lakes. And that was pretty recently. So, so yeah, we hope Cole gets out here pretty soon and, and hopes to sends us some pictures of the fish he catches. And he said he had the large clam box that we talked about mm-hmm. that he used to hold his cicadas, which I don't know what a cicada is. That there's a picture of him here, but I don't know what a cicada exactly it's is. Like a, well, I can't really see it real well, but. I see a bunch of jigs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody uses kind of different lures. Um, but the same lure. <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyways, Cole K, thanks. Hope you get out there. I'm glad that the clam boxes are working good. Hopefully, I can we can get out there and try well, some Well, it's a bug. It, a cicada is a bug. You know that, right? Yeah. And, and I know, like. It's like a grasshopper-ish looking thing. Looks like they're sideways. Like, it's a sideways spoon. That's what it mm-hmm. looks like to me. Yeah. Colby, you know Colby, we've had him mm-hmm. on the show a few years Absolutely. ago. Yeah. And we appreciate Guide. that he keeps in touch with us. Yeah. And he got some in touch with a custom rod builder in New Hampshire. Built some custom rods. So those look nice. Looks like a small, medium, and large. <laughs> and it has the very popular split grip. That's super popular with the open water fishing. And these ones are split grip grip ice rods. Yeah. And that's for sensitivity. Right. You're supposed to be able to touch the 
the blank so you can feel it better because the cord mm -hmm. clearly went Absolutely. dull. Absolutely. That makes sense. And it looks like a website. This should be on a website in a week or two. So I, I don't. I'm. I'm thinking Colby maybe. Like this rod builder is going to offer these these web these rods for sale. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. He didn't list the name or anything. They just looked like some nice custom rods. I, yeah. I think there's a lot of really good custom rod builders out there, and it's more there of, are it's more of a boutique boutique. You know, like you can go buy a clam rod or a Saint Croix, and they make a ton of them. But there's a lot of these smaller kind of very customized ones that have really jumped into the scene that just weren't there before. I and I think that's cool. I and I think there's something special about um when you have something made for you you know that it's just uh yep. it's unique you 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 treasure it um it's just a little different i think than than going to buy something off the shelf sometime and even the custom ones are off shelf like i have that tuned up custom rod that i bought last year i really like it and it feels special even though it's off the shelf right so i i, I don't know i think there's both ways but yeah having something custom i timmy hall made that those rods for us i know yours got lost to the yeah it broke i broke the tip on it you're caught such a big fish jay yeah i wish that's what had happened <laughs> i had a rough year for rods last year i broke three different rods on fish last year no mm -mm. <laughs> nope i wish no nope. but more like i shouldn't put that there i'll, I'll remember crunch but i Not do like good. that rod because it has our logo stamped on it and that makes i know it special absolutely it, and it's a good rod i like using it i like using it for panfish and there probably might be other rods like it out there but this was mine and it has the stamp on it right so that i think custom rods are nice yeah we haven't heard from timmy this this season hey if you're still listening give us a shout so i know you're alive and well yep still using your rods to love it all right we got some real on the street reporting jason fishing report from jason you got out we're over to me already yeah that's that's what i said it's been quiet from a news perspective that's yeah so i went fishing i did not catch the fish jeff just posted on her facebook this time unfortunately that was from last year but that was I appreciate you fish that is i i'm i really appreciate you resurrecting that fish that was that's phenomenal and i gotta um, i gotta say something jason before we get into your fishing report is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. So I, I took that picture. I put it through Lightroom because it, it does a little bit, makes it look a little nicer. But, you know, you look like a fisherman in that picture. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't use the word man crush because that would be going too far. But, like, you look like a fisherman with a picture. You could be in the Cabela's wall there or the Shields wall. It looks pretty legit. Well, thanks, Jeff. That's awful nice of you to say. I really appreciate that. So you look, you look good, and the fish looks good. Yeah, it was a good angle. It was a good angle. That was a heck of a, a, a fight. I think we talked about that on, on one of the shows. That that uh, that'll at someday will become a, a legend as far as uh, the fight for that fish. Do you remember it, that? It was good. Okay, fishing report. So there I was minding my own business, and finally on Monday, I got out fishing super excited about that do you want the long version or the short version we can go long version tonight Sweet. Jay. all right so 
it is kind of a story. So I kind of, you know, we is is mild. We had, as Jeff had mentioned, we've had a ton of snow, and roads and things are still pretty crappy, especially out in the rural areas. But I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go fishing. So I think I found mostly most of my stuff. Um, of course, you know, if you notice, we didn't do an episode on getting our gear ready this year. <laughs> so guess what? Jason really didn't do much of is get his gear ready this year. So you got up Monday morning and you're like, oh. yeah, just looking for everything. No, actually, I did it the day before. I got most of it, and I even charged charged stuff the day before. But I no longer have a camera. I sold the camera. Oh, um, because I'm I'm looking at buying a new one, and and so I I got rid of the old one because I just really wasn't using it anymore. Um, but I had the fish finder and my my clam key and I I took that out, and so I load everything up in the car, get the appropriate amount of snacks and beverages, mm-hmm. and I head out. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to head to this lake uh, south of me, about 10 miles, 12 miles, uh, south of Waterloo Cedar Falls. And uh, Hickory Hills, I'll just name it because it, it doesn't matter. Hickory Hills <laughs> Park, it's a state park. And there's a, a small lake there that that last season was, re- I had heard reports that was really good. And so I thought, okay, that was in my mind as the first ice place I was going to hit because it's a smaller pond, smaller lake you know, like 20 acres, I think, maybe a little or And so if you don't hit it right away, then it gets fished out pretty quick. Um, I get there and I get down to the boat launch to to park and walk on the lake and there's an excavator sitting there. And then there's another excavator and the lake's gone. The lake's <laughs> been drained. Oh, no. It was, it was all gone. Just stumps and rock piles and no water at all. So I was a little sad. I'm like, okay, plan B, plan B. So I had me down, down. Is Iowa south. the only place that kind of they moves just, their lakes or creates they their do. lakes? They do. They just move them. They just, you, like, you really, on these little, like, we have a ton of beautiful little state parks all over the state. And right. most, every one of them has a small lake or a pond in it, which is super cool. But they, they fix them when they get certain amount of silt. Mm. Or they get overrun with something, they drain them, they dredge them, they they re- rehab them, which is awesome that they do that. And it usually make, you know, in five years, that'll be an awesome fishery again, you know, because I'm sure this summer they'll finish it up and ref- it'll let it refill and it'll be great. Um, you know, then you'll get about five years from now. It'll be wonderful. So I mark it on my Google calendar to fish in five years. <laughs> but um, so then I head down to, to Vinton. Um, I was going to fish down there at a place called rogers park and i pull you know it, the roads were pretty bad pull in there it's not really plowed much and i i hadn't been into rogers for a long time and the water at the spot i could get to without walking all the way down to the far end of the lake looked really shallow like the dock you know there's a pier yep. the pier was way out of the water and okay. sticks showing and i'm like I don't know how much water this thing's got in either. <laughs> it may have enough because it's pretty deep on the one end. Sure. But no one had been out there, obviously. Mm. So there's no other evidence that anybody had been fishing it at all. And I'm like, I don't even know. You know, this thing could be three, four <laughs> feet deep right now. So I didn't have a lot of confidence. I didn't have enough confidence to get out of the truck. The wind was blowing yet, and it um, was negative 13, Ooh. 14 degrees. Ooh. So I wasn't, oh. I was struggling with motivation. Let's just say that. And I thought, I don't know. 
I don't know about this. Because the spot I needed to go was like half mile. Sure. You know, yep. to, to walk. So it would have been, and it was pretty drifty snow. And I'm, like, ah, I'm just getting old. I and that's hard to get out of the truck. <laughs> oh, I when you don't have when you don't have confidence in I've been thinking that walk. all week because it's been like below zero all week yeah so i don't have that skin built up i feel like i know i don't have my gear on but just walking from the door to the car is like well your face burns i was acclimated okay so that one advantage i was acclimated to the cold uh, because we'd had this blizzard and i've been snow blowing uh, my Uh, my neighbors so i'd I'd already spent um the two days before i'd been outside three four hours each day snow blowing so i mean i was good i was I was good to go. It wasn't my first experience with the cold. Um, so I drove into Waterloo, Cedar Falls, and I went to a, a pond within Cedar Falls, a mm-hmm. community pond. And I get there, and there was a couple dudes there. I'm like, okay, people are fishing. Yeah, I got some sign but of life. There's nobody water. had yet gone to the other, si- other oh. side of this pond, the far side. And I'm like, okay. And I fished this once last year at the end of the year. Um, and it it's like... Uh, bass and crappies sure and sunfish kind of place yep Ooh. so bud i uh but light <laughs> so i uh i got out of the truck and i spud barred and spud barred my way to the other side of the lake where no one had been yet and uh on the advice of a, a fellow with uh panoptics that was looking around and oh. he kind of said well you know, off this point, he's had a lot of luck. And I said, well, no one's been out there yet. And he was going to fish a different spot. And I said, well, cool. I'll go check it out. Sure. And I don't know if I was in the right spot or not. Right. Spud barred my way all the way out there. And uh, ice was plenty thick. Um, five inches, probably. Okay. But but all that had probably formed in the last three days. Sure. Yeah. You cause know, because it, it's been so cold. Yes. So cold. And, and so I think, um, nobody had been out there yet. So, you know, this is a, a pond in the middle of a major metropolitan area. Nobody had fished this yet, this season. Like there's plenty in of population, spot. lots of ice fishing people that would Absolutely. be out there. And I'm sure by this, by like, I'm probably going to check it out again this weekend. And I'm sure it's, you know. Swiss cheese. It looks like, well, <laughs> if you came across what I did, because <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't fished this spot. So I'm looking for structure. I'm trying to find the, you know, the traditional yep. Iowa Lake structure, which is a rock pile or a brush pile that got dumped off the end of a point somewhere. And so I'm just Swiss cheese in the thing, you know, looking yep. for, looking for fish. So my tactic would be is, um, you know, I drill a hole. I, when I kind of got off the point I was looking for, I drill, drilled holes about every five to 10 feet. I'd put a jig down jig a little five ten five minutes see if something showed up looking for some variation so finally i found the edge of something i don't know if it's a rock pile because i'm I'm just using a flasher right and it's not super deep right so you can't just like cover a lot of area you're covering a small small yeah it's it's like 11 feet deep okay yep um this this band of spots i was fishing and so finally i found where i had some action on the flasher um and i kind of like what I saw on the bottom, which went from a hard bottom to where I, so this is what I do with the flasher is my hummingbird has a dual band. So it has a wide and narrow. So, um, 
when you put it on wideband, you have something that's there. Yep. Okay, it's catching something. And then when you put it on a narrow band, it goes away. Okay. So that tells me I'm on the edge of a drop, I'm the edge of a rush pile, edge of oh. a rock pile. I'm on the edge of something because of so that's how you can use a flasher to find structure sure. or dro- yep. a drop, a pile, something. Right. And then there were some fish that were active. So I'm, okay, cool. So I was outside without the shelter probably hour and a half. Ooh, in that cold, cold yeah, weather. Yeah, Ooh. just tucked in there and had my wool sweater on and my striker jacket and a hat and uh, my bibs and I was fine. Cool. Um, set the set the house up. Caught probably a dozen and a half or more oh, sunfish. Nice, nice. Um, had a really nice bass on that I okay. lost the top of the hole. Um, I mean, I'm fishing with like little little tiny uh, panfish jigs. Yeah, like tungsten or like yeah, yeah. So ones. the one that um, the one that I caught the bass on was actually um, like a bug jig. Sure, it's got a purple head on it with a little fluffy skirt. Okay, and it's just real small though, real real small. Um, and then the one that was the winner for the panfish was um, a uh, caddis. Oh yeah, from uh, it wasn't maker. It wasn't a widow. I don't. Oh. Might have been. A, actually, it probably was a widowmaker sure. jig, but it was a. Uh, a purple and white, so purple okay. polka dots with white and a white body. Cool. And that thing, I tried to switch to different things, and they just seemed to really like that. And then at the end of the day, I uh, my line got all screwed up, so I went to cut the line, and then I knocked the jig, and I lost oh, it. Was, it was gone. It, Can't so find it. Did I you have uh, waxies on there? Waxies yeah, there? with a wax. Waxies. Actually, a spike, a red spike. A red spike, okay. Is what they were hitting on. The bass grabbed okay. on a waxy. Now, is a, um, is a, wanted, is a spike try- the same thing as like a urolarva? Is that kind of the same thing? I never quite know. I it it It's like a little tiny, Um, it's like waxy length. Yep. But they're real small. Like they're they're compact. They're not as okay. squishy. Okay. They're okay. more solid. It sounds more um, like a year larva because they're colored, they're, but I don't know. Yeah, let me let me Google it. I struggle they're with in my the fridge. I can look at them. I know what a waxworm is and I know what a year larva is because that's what I see. But people talk about spikes, but I think sometimes all those three things get kind of mixed up together, right? It they just do. They get mixed up. Yeah, I what I can tell you is um that's what the bait shop called them was a spike. Okay. I mean, I'll trust the bait shop. They, they sell and, them. Yeah. So, I mean, that okay. they called it a red, it was a red spike. Sure. Um, so I'm looking online and they, this person calls it a red spike, Euro larva, maggot, acting stock. Maybe it's all those things together. Maybe it is a red spike, Euro larva, maggot. Huh. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what it is all I the way it, through I, I, I tend to think all the things the euro larvas are smaller and usually multicolored, and mm. waxworms are usually that vanilla color and they're yeah like kind of squishy they're like squishy. a mealworm mealworm yeah. too is what they call those i think and i think when you put them in the ooze kind of comes out of them you know to attract the fish so the ural the ural or the spike is not as gooey as a uh Wax, yeah, for sure. Less goo. Okay, so and more, way more durable. So, so you lost your prize lure and couldn't I catch did. any more fish. 
No, it was kind of things were devolving at that point. Mm-hmm. I have a, I didn't realize this last year because we had more snow on the ice. Um, you know, when I, when I put together that, um, that Kenai, yep. I've got the fabric too tight. So my bar oh. doesn't hit the ice quite very yes. tight at all. Yep. And uh, I had brought just my small little buddy. Yep. Not the bit, uh, not the big buddy, or what? just the one that goes on a one pounder. That's just like a one. Yeah, it's just got like a golf heater almost. Yes, I have one of those too. They're really good and, and usually good enough for a Kenai. And was a, not good enough for the no. Kenai mm. with a gap at the bottom, with the wind mm. picking up and negative fifteen or fourteen degrees. Good to know. It was not. Um, so I hadn't been cold when I was outside, but after an hour or two sitting inside with um, and not moving. Sure. Um, I got pretty chilled. So it was about five o'clock. I, I was starting to get dark. So yeah. I called it. But, you know, success caught fish. Yeah. Got on the ice. Um, had a good time. It was great being out. Um, fished uh, pretty much a new spot I hadn't fished before that I'll probably try again. And that's that's pretty close to me. And cool. Um, yeah, so super sweet to be out. I had some lessons. Let's see where my lessons. Besides the too tight top? The tight um, thing was too tight on my... I had some things I didn't have with me. I had to make a list. I didn't have the pole for the back of the ice shack. And it was windy. Who knows where that went and why that was missing. (laughs) Um, I had another real interesting thing. I don't know what I did. Maybe it's just getting old, Jeff. But I, you know, I spud spud barred my way out pretty pretty yeah. diligently over quite a, a distance and uh i i don't like i couldn't i had a hard time tying a knot later like oh, my right because hand. the impact from yeah like the... i, I must sure. have did something to the nerves because it's so cold you don't notice yeah or something but it took almost a whole day to get get right again so i guess watch that when you're getting old i've had that with my leaf blower before okay because you know, they vibrate so much and like oh sure kind of it's kind of the same thing. It's like a buzzy thing. I, yeah. It didn't happen yeah, to me so when I was 20. So I guess switch hands is the, is the, you need an auto, auto ice checker. An auto <laughs> ice checker of some sort, but the, the jig up comes back. You hold the jig up, but it just like, dum, dum. yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, it was, it was just so nice to be out. I'm going to get out again this weekend. Um, I've got that on my schedule. I was supposed to go to Minnesota. Yes. And I called it because of the weather. Blizzard. It was a good choice. The 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 roads were atrocious. I don't know. If I could have got out of there Thursday night after work, I probably would have been just fine. Ah, uh, you would have been just fine. You were absolutely but correct. But I had to work Friday, so that's just how life is. And once once you got... Now, fr- one Friday, I couldn't have got out of Dodge on no. Friday afternoon. There's no way. What Like at my house, northern Minnesota wasn't bad. It was the southern Minnesota, Iowa area. Well, I did appreciate all that day i was working and everybody else wasn't so north was dave sent me pictures of fish you sent me pictures of fish <laughs> meanwhile i was working so good I'm glad you got some work somebody's got to pay the bills i know exactly so i'm glad you got out <laughs> and had success yeah it's pretty sweet did see michael h sent us he was up in Malax and he got a 24 and some other bunch of other walleyes seven fish Got That's his, a pretty good, pretty good day. He got his personal best walleye on his birthday. That seems like pretty good. On um, Malax, nonetheless, and that yes. that Malax can be stingy. 
I'm seeing reports that it's being pretty less dingy this year. It's being pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I, they have perch back in a bunch of numbers. I noticed that a couple of years ago they were small ones, but they're getting bigger perch. And I think maybe the forage base is changing a little bit and you're getting uh-huh. some more walleyes. Like, don't know for sure, but that's what it seems like to me. There's certainly, I've had my place up there five years. The first two years, I didn't see a perch ever. And now you see them all the time, constantly. Like, hmm. you have to keep them off of your bait. <laughs> you have to get bigger minnows so you're not catching perch. Yeah. Or being annoyed by perch. So my, this Michael that wrote us, um, he said they hunkered down and watched Lord of the Rings in the shanty. So funny story. Actually, we watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy this past weekend. Huh? All three of them. So my daughter had never seen them. I, uh, I've been wanting to rewatch them. But that's a heck of a time commitment. Is that like nine hours, ten hours? It's over, yeah, pretty close. And so, actually, I'd put it on a Christmas wish list, someone to watch the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy back with me. Cool. So she had to, she took that and had to commit to, <laughs> to doing that. So we got snacks, and this was on Saturday afternoon into Sunday when it was just, you know, it was just miserable. Oh, out. It was just 20 miserable. below so, blowing hard. Yeah. Know, just terrible. Really. We're not motivated to do anything with anything. So we watched Lord of the Rings. So it was Lord of the Rings weekend on blacks and in Iowa. Absolutely. And their shows are just as good as ever. So I'll probably have to watch it again in a couple of years on DVD. DVD. <laughs> show business. The best place to interact with us is on social media is Instagram and Facebook. You can also find our website, hardwatershow.com. Find us on YouTube. Like and subscribe us. We are much more active on YouTube. There's been a few more videos. I will send out the hat this week. We had to pick up, picked up about 50, 40 subscribers since last episode. Oh, really? Yeah. And... So I'll pick. You one know, I haven't those. even subscribed yet. I should do that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we're like four twenty-four. <laughs> we need to get to five hundred. So maybe I have a couple more hats. So maybe we'll give one more hat away next week. I'm just gonna pick the hat, the thing out of the hat. I'll have to send that person a message and get their address so we can send them a hat. Very cool. And it's not the hat I have on. It's not the hat Jason has on. It's actually a third hat. So this one has our Hardwater logo on it that the hat would have, but. I have a really big head, so I have to get a special hat. Ginormous head. Jason has the prior year's hat, so. I do. I will. We can send that out to that listener. And you can email us, hardwatershow at gmail.com. And also, we are on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Hardwater Show. So, see us there. So Jason, we have some fact checks. We do. So, Northwoods Dave... Um, Basically says, you know, your Northwoods gas stations have everything you're going to need to go fishing. And I would agree. If you get up around the lakes area that Dave, you know, in that area that that he lives Mm -hmm. in, in those areas that have a lot of summer resort traffic, they are a one-stop shop. Like there's Swenson's in in that area. You know, they have everything that you need. Um, There's a lot of them little gas stations that do. So the, this came, this fact check came from a conversation we were having where Jeff said I needed to go somewhere else other than a gas station for stuff. And I'm like, no, you can get everything you need at a gas station. 
And and I would argue that that continues to hold true. And Dave agrees with me, so we'll consider that matter closed. So, so you're right. I'm wrong. And Northwoods Dave validated that. Is what you're saying? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll let you do this next one. Okay, this was a important clarification that I got in trouble for. I have a Stanley beer mug that I actually have with me here because I was going to put my beer in it and I got too lazy. But it's like a beer mug. It's these filters just do weird things. So I, I said I got it for Christmas, but I did not properly recognize my wife got that for me for Christmas. Aaron got that for me. So this is, it's not just any person gave me this mug. It was from. How thoughtful. Yes. Very kind. <laughs> next, next to Northwoods Dave, or at least equal to probably maybe more. Aaron is, I think, become our chief fact. Checker. She's our financial officer and our fact checker. Yes. <laughs> The financial part, you go one, two, three. Oh, we don't have any money. Yeah. But, <laughs> but she said, wives do not buy the safety angle. We were talking about the disagree. safety angle. She I said, disagree. Respectfully. She found it insulting that we would well, even think that they would take that as an idea. She's only insulted because she heard the whole story. <laughs> That it's being used as a leverage thing. But uh, so if if they, she might, you know, that's a disadvantage to her listening to the show. So I, because I got, that's not how you use it. You know, you it's it's a convincing tactic. It's, an, it's a justification for a particular thing. You had that beer you called beer the other day. It yeah. was malt liquor. It was not beer. Was that beer? I. Th- I thought it was a beer, but is it is that not the same thing? It came yeah. in a can and it looked like a beer. I, I guess. And this isn't a fact check, but more of a criticism, I guess, or constructive feedback. Aaron said we talked about beer and chicken nuggets for like 10 minutes on the last <laughs> two episodes ago. It's like, that's probably more than you need to talk about beer and chicken nuggets. So. I mean, the beauty of this is people can always fast forward. It's true. But I think most of them hang on because they just want to know where it's going. <laughs> is it a nice fishing show or is it the fast food and beer? We're not sure. I mean, but... it just depends on the day. Yeah. I mean, if, if people were listening to us for hardcore ice fishing advice, we lost them eons ago. You're right. But here, here's my argument. If you just want to catch lots of big fish all the time, you're going to be disappointed a lot. You are. Absolutely. You just will be. You unless will be. maybe you live on Lake of the Woods or something like that. But maybe. maybe. Yeah. Even there, you're going to find a day where it's a little disappointing. But I, I think the beauty of the show, Jeff, is people just never know where we're going to sprinkle in the fishing <laughs> advice. It's going to happen. You just got to hang tight. You got to... You got to you gotta find the needle in the haystack is that yeah what you're saying? yeah you, you know you just never know where that really uh poignant 30 seconds is gonna be but my point was you might not find out how to always you know we might be not be technically telling you about ice fishing every part of the show but we are telling you how to have a good time while you're ice fishing right Absolutely. and that's the point whether you're catching a fish or not you're out there you're having a good day you're not working you're just enjoying life Absolutely. And that's what it's all about. Are we going to go? I saw you posted some questions on Facebook. Yeah, we should go into that because I, I think there's some stuff 
I, I was kind of looking at it. There's yeah. some really good stuff, some good questions on there. Yes, yeah, so let's jump right into we should, that. We should grab that. So Chad um, asked the question of ice fishing the boundary waters. Jason did it a couple of years ago, and he plans to go back. Yes. Um, Oli's actually, our buddy Oli's actually doing that again this year. I'm not going to be able to go with him, unfortunately. Um, my brother turned 50 this year, and so instead I'm going to go to Texas and eat barbecue and shoot hogs. Sounds awesome. I, I'd rather go ice fishing, but that's not what John chose for his 50th birthday <laughs> trip. So I'm going to go do that. It's not a bad second, though. <laughs> it's, we're, we're, we're not, even though we could have a barbecue podcast, I not the hog part, but but yeah, we're not doing Yeah, that's not yeah. part of the show. So. So that's the deal. So no, I, I do plan on doing it again. I want to do it again. It's just not going to happen this year. Um, but we probably would have the ability to have Oli and some of his crew on to talk about their trip and what, you know, how that went. Um, so maybe later on. So people are interested in that. Let us know. Yeah, that'd be, I'm sure we could do a whole show for sure on that. And, you know, you can maybe get multiple Olis on the show. You could have a whole raft of Olis. We could have the Oli show. And and we could and, and the rule would be that everybody's Oli. We we have to refer to them all as Oli, and they have to refer to each other as Oli. So that would be fun. We'll right. see what we can do on this. Most memorable ice fishing man. I think we tell a lot of legends. That's a tough one to nail down. The most memorable. I don't know. You know that picture of that pike that I'm holding. That was a very memorable fish for me yeah and uh so that one i've told that story on on the podcast you'll have to find the episode that has that story but that one there was was very very memorable i remember that for a long time i don't know i mean i may i have some top ones obviously the biggest ones you know some of the bigger mm -hmm. walleyes i've caught hmm it's a good question it's like all uh, it's like a culmination of all those experiences, right? It's hanging out, catching those fish. Zach wanted to show a picture of Jeff, the Helix Seven shuttle he made. Let's yeah, it that. looks he's got a picture of his Helix Seven shuttle. Oh, that's pretty sweet. That looks nice. To me, it looks like a Vexilar style. I'm pretty sure that's a Vexilar base, right? That he mounted his. He looks seven on. It looks really yeah. nice. Zach, why don't you write us up a little bit more about how you made that and then go put some socks on and send it to us. <laughs> I'm guessing that <laughs> Zach spent much less money on his than I did on mine. Than you, than you spent on yours. Yeah. Well, mine was like a rabbit hole. And we're going to, uh, eventually when I get it done, I'm going to show the whole thing, but it kept on building. I almost got rid of the shuttle and then I'm like, no, I'm going to make it work. And, it's morphed and now it's i put a rod holder on it and i don't want a cup holder mike black asks a really interesting question how do you maintain the family value of the sport versus the political competitive secret side of the sport in northwest montana some people he believes with the influx of population have lost the importance of fun of it all it's monopolized tournaments aren't fun to the same locations and same five teams winning every year the list goes on and on so you know i think um when it comes to tournaments and this and that, I think anytime you start attaching large cash prizes or even smaller cash prizes to tournaments, um, 
things can start getting interesting. You know, one thing that a person can do really super easy now with uh, the fish donkey yep. outfit is you can run your own tournament. Mm -hmm. And you can you can make that any sort of uh, prize or not prize or event that you want um, without really having to go through some of the the jump through some of the hoops that you would to have to actually have a, a tournament on a particular lake. You know, the other thing I would just say is, you know, if, if there's a tournament that you think has lost that, don't participate. I guess when it comes to tournaments, certainly we've done our own fish hockey tournament. We've actually, we're talking about doing another one this year, but I don't know. I think it might not happen just because we're getting, oh, it's going to happen. We're going to make it happen. Okay. All we right. need, so we, we should talk about that. Yeah. Next, we need to get that show. going. It's just the ice yep. conditions have been so bad. It just hasn't really worked out yet, but we're, we're going to work on that. But my point is I often, everybody fishes for a different reason and none of them are wrong. Some people want to be competitive with their fishing, right? That's what really yeah. makes it interesting to them. I am not one of those people. <laughs> it doesn't I mean, I totally get it. I I am competitive in other ways, but fishing is not something. And I'll be competitive with our group if we're out fishing, you know, who catches the bigger fish, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But for me, fishing very often for me is a way to unwind and relax. And tournament fishing doesn't give that to me it makes it absolutely more stressful for me and that's not what i'm looking for i'm looking to chill out hopefully catch some fish and everybody has their own thing so i actually think it's almost like a non-answer but mike asked this and i think you need to make it what you can get out of it and what's important to you and that's different for yeah. every person some people want to be on the walleye tour and that's all they want to do and they want to fish mm -hmm. hardcore and that's not wrong at all it's just not what I want to do. And so I would just, Mike, make it what you want it to be. If you, I'm going to be the person that wants to fish by not as many people, right? And that's, if that's what you want to do, just you got to find a spot. That might be the hard part. If there's not a lot of opportunities to find lakes and water in your area, I can see how that would be frustrating if you can't find a place to be. But, but that's I how think I think it, about it. That's, that's really good advice, Jeff. That's way better answer than what I gave. So I think I think that's really good. And as far as maintaining the family value, is just really making sure we're introducing youngsters or even oldsters to fishing, people that haven't done it before, and helping them feel comfortable and accepted and and um, comfortable in doing the sport. Um, I think that's super important. So and and even part of that too, you know, I have a wheelhouse. I should put a video on YouTube. I have a tour of my wheelhouse. Came out this week, but. It's even different for me when we go on an adventure trip, we take snowmobiles out or you go to the boundary waters. Mm -hmm. That is one style of fishing and it appeals to certain people, but there are certain people that don't want anything to do with that. And we'll go in my wheelhouse. We'll watch basketball and hang out with buddies and neither one of those is wrong, right? They're just very mm -hmm. different experiences. Absolutely. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there's people that run portables all, all year, and that's their jam. There's people that have a permanent ice shack at the permanent spot, the same spot every year. It's a community hole, a community event. They see the same dudes they fish with every winter. Right. Sometimes they don't see them till that happens, yeah. you know, and it's like, hey, how you doing? Um, and now, that, like you said, Jeff, very eloquently, that there's nothing wrong with that, and, and it, it's a good thing. 
and 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 I try to meet people where they are. For, I want my kids to go ice fishing with me, so I have a wheelhouse because they'll go ice fishing in my wheelhouse. Sure, you know, so I'm meeting them where they are, are a little bit too. I just gave up and bought a one man shack. I mean, I have other shacks too <laughs> for those kind of experiences. Also, great question, Mike. Thanks for thanks for being a listener and and thanks for the the deep thought question there. Yeah, that's a good one. You can always send in more questions if you want to our email, like we said before. Absolutely, we love hearing from people. All right, jumping into current events. So I just was watching this. I didn't finish it, but Jay Siemens, who does some really awesome YouTube video stuff. I mean, if you've been on YouTube and you fish, you know you've seen him before. He was in. I don't think I can say this word right, but it's Nunavut. Nunavut. It's like way up in Canada, like not English, you know, probably like native people that live up there way up in Canada. You can only get there by snowmobile, but they're ice fishing on sea ice. They're ice fishing for cod. It looked like super great adventure. If you want to watch some just really cool scenery, really adventurous stuff, and maybe you're not ready to go do that yourself, check it out on YouTube. It's really cool. Very cool. He he uses an ion auger and it goes above his head because the sea ice is it's five feet of ice and he's got like 10 extensions and they use an ion auger to drill holes in fish. So if you're ever wondering, I can't use an electric auger because the ice is too thick. They're going through five feet of ice up there. So wow. You can see the waves. The sea ice it acts different than freshwater ice. You can actually see the waves on the ice. It was crazy. And like so the ice is moving. The ice is moving while you're driving your snowmobile. It's five feet of ice, but it still moves when the waves go under the water or under the ice. Yeah, that takes some getting used to. Yeah, but they're on snowmobiles, so. It's seasick on the ice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh I mean, you God. can see it because they, they, there's these fat tire bikes. They have four inches and they have electric motors. They don't go super far, but they showed them going through some pretty serious snow and ice for like early ice. You know, ice. It will go 28 miles an hour, not on ice and snow. I mean, the top speed is 28, but probably more like 10 or 15 when you're, you know, when you're on there. It'll go 60 miles, probably more like 20 when you're again yeah. in the snow. Yeah, ice. depends on your weight. Are you right. 110 pounds or? It, it will hold up to 400 pounds, so I'm safe to ride this thing. Even yeah. with, uh, even with your shoes on. <laughs> yes. It, but I really want to try one. And I don't know if other states do this, but I found this week the state of Minnesota has a e-bike rebate program. No kidding. So you can get up to 75% off depending on your income levels and stuff. There's a lot of, there's a calculator out there. But so this bike is about $1,700, which is a lot of money for a bike, but it's an electric bike. And But you can get up to 75% of that paid for I think it's up to $1,500 or something like that, but there's some limits. Do your research, but if you go to the bike shop and they're authorized to do this, they just take it off the price. It's not like the it's not like the Tesla where you get it on your taxes. Really? Later. They just say, here's your $1,500 bike and you're going to only have to pay $700 for it or whatever. You know, I mean, that, it'll, so that's, wow. It'll vary by person. Like it has to do with your mm-hmm. income and lots of other factors. So, but yeah, it was, I want to try one, but it's still going to be expensive. You know, it's still not 20 bucks. So I you gotta, should absolutely do this. 
and and I watch people on YouTube use these things, and I mean they they went through they weren't even pedaling Jay because you can do full electric. You yeah. don't even have to pedal. I know. It, I know it goes further if you pedal or faster if you pedal. But I've been considering these strongly for up at our cabin. Yeah. all the logging roads and stuff because oh, yeah. i i don't use i'm not up there enough to justify an atv and and then just you have the whole idea of something could sit for six months and not be used and then when you go to start it you know it doesn't start but an electric bike for cruising around logging roads and this and that it's kind of i think they'd be sweet with a gun mount for grouse hunting too and you can totally do that it has a little bike wrap but this is a it's an mm-hmm. aventon the one i really kind of focused on here it's this aventon venture too and for old guys it's a step through like there's no cross bar so you got yeah i saw that everything. it's like a like a girl's bike well what we used to call a girl's bike but yes it's called a step through but you know if you got all your ice gear on and your boots mm-hmm. and you try to yeah you don't want to try to hike a leg over you'd end up in a pile and they make studs for these too so you can get studded tires on these and i don't know i really want to try one and then you can I, use it in the I, summer and the winter. I just want one. I think you should, Jeff. I know. Why wouldn't you do that? Because I don't print money. <laughs> <laughs> I would have one tomorrow if it would just, you know. Yeah, I know. But, it's all about the dollar. But yeah, this and it's this my favorite blue color. I love mm-hmm. this blue color. I just need one. But next episode, I guarantee we're going to be hearing from Aaron, the fact checker on the. <laughs> I don't think I can sell this one as a safety item. No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it will make you more safe at all. <laughs> In fact, she'll need to put a helmet on your head. Yes. <laughs> well, Jay, are we are we ready to get into our uh our topic or our guest here? Yeah, I think I think we're ready to do that. So up next we have our interview with with Hannah, who is uh just a lovely artist and she's a fisheries expert. And uh, take a listen. Today on the Hardware Fishing Show, we have Hannah Anima. She is a painter, muralist, graphic designer, and crafter that lives in Minnesota. From a young age, her greatest passions have always been art and nature. Hannah is most well-known for her work in oils. Most of her artwork is based off her interactions in the natural world, but she also paints a large amount of other subject matter, including portraiture, family pets, and humanitarian issues. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. So I, I think we got to tell the story of how we met, though. Yeah, sure. the, the origin origin story. We have to tell the origin story of this. So there we were, <laughs> minding our own business, walking around the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show, and we see these awesome pictures. And one of the pictures that really caught my eye was this grumpy-looking crappie that just was given that face of like, no, I'm not going to bite. <laughs> and so then we're talking to Hannah, and we're like, hey, it'd be really cool if if you could come on our podcast, right? And then she goes well, do you want to talk about like painting or my DNR fisheries work? And we're like, what? Yes, all of those. <laughs> and then Jeff told me I was being weird, so I had to stop talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it's really great to have you on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, both my passions, you know, painting the outdoors and working in the outdoors. Hannah, tell us about how you got started in painting the natural world. Growing up from a young age, I was always kind of a creative, nature-loving person. You know, I was the kind of girl who would sit and watch ants for hours. And I was, my grandpa was an artist, and that's kind of, you know, how it got passed down to my dad and the rest of us kids. Um, and yeah, I didn't really start painting, painting until 
high school and, and, you know, stuck with it through college. But yeah, you kind of, you, you paint what inspires you, right? Or that's where my best paintings come from. And getting into fisheries as a career, you know, there's a lot of inspiration you can find there. So, I mean, as much as I paint other subject matter, fish tend to be at the forefront right now, just because I'm so heavily involved with them. And, and I mean, as you guys know, and, and every angler out there, fish are awesome and amazing. And every single one you catch is so different and cool. So, yeah, that's kind of where the inspiration for a lot of my, you know, fish themed artwork comes from. That's one thing we've commented on, like you can catch a walleye in two different lakes and they look like almost completely different fish yeah. just because of the, the coloring and, and the added in perch are the same way. Big miles, little mile. I mean, yeah. they're just cool. I know it's insane. It's insane. That's like, yeah, I get, I know I had some of my bluegill paintings up and I, one of my projects was to kind of capture as many color phases as I could of, of the bluegills. Cause those things are insane. I mean, everyone you know who starts fishing has caught a bluegill you know but it, mm -hmm. once you start catching them over and over again you start to really look at them and how beautiful each individual fish is sure i know i was just looking at them before we got on here and they have the one the sunset i think it's a bluegill it's not a bluegill it's a sunfish but there's different yeah, so kinds I, so yeah yeah so that was that's kind of what i'm focusing on uh next is i have a couple sunfish i have a northern sunfish was uh one of my sunset paintings and then a pumpkin seed was another one and kind of matching the the ambiance mm -hmm. of the nature with the the colors and the fish is kind of what I'm going for I'm I'm actually gonna start work here on a big musky painting kind of a similar aesthetic kind of that side view yep. but have big northern lights kind of reflecting you know how the, the blues and greens pop out on the musky scales so yeah something, something coming up here we, we we usually put a list of questions and I've already gone so off road because I just okay we can do that this, yeah. Yeah, it's our yeah. show we get to do it every week. yeah you're right you're right along with your paintings there, you've also done some murals some larger kind of murals is there a place where people can go see those out in the yeah. wild yeah actually they are all in Hutchinson Minnesota right now except for one um I think it's technically a public drive, but there's one in Hayward, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, I don't know if anyone has, heard, I mean, you've heard of Spider Lake, but I don't know if anyone's heard of Musky Run on Spider Lake. Um, it's kind of a small little resort and uh, bar eatery. Okay. There's a mural just down uh, down the road for that. It's kind of a, a, a stylized portrait of, of family dogs in a canoe. So that one, oh, cool. that one's up in Hayward, but otherwise everything is... Um, Public and Hutchinson. I've got three small pillar murals at the local Bobbing Bobber Brewing Company here. And then there's three other outdoor murals around the city of Hutchinson as well. Oh, and then these are like on the, the one I saw was on like a side of a building, I think. Yeah. So they're they're big. Yeah, they are big. I think well, the biggest one I did, I, I couldn't tell you square foot, but it was like the back two walls of a building. It's um our our Benny's meat market in town, and we did a bunch of jumping deer. And that was, I actually had a lot of help on that one with uh, the public. I drew out all the deer and everyone helped me fill them in. So they're kind of just silhouettes of jumping deer into the meat market. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Small town humor. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at the deer jumping into the meat yeah, market. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> into the meat market. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that's, going that's to. A, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so we touched a little bit on the sunfish paintings, but, you know, in general, how do you. Like when you sit down, you're like, 
how do you decide what fish to paint? Yeah, it's kind of all like what's inspiring me. You know, I, we did um, uh, a large walleye tagging project last uh, spring. And I took a lot of photos of walleyes and I want to do, you know, a big blown up, probably three foot by four foot of like a close up of a walleye face, you know, just because I'm like, wow, look at like all the jewel tones within the fish. And and like the sunfish come came from a lake in a local lake in the area, Ripley Lake in Litchfield. And they that lake has the most diverse looking sunfish I've ever seen. You know, some are those big bull bluegills with the orange belly, really dark backs. But then you have, you know, some of the females that are so washed out and just that kind of like very opaly, like blues and greens. And then you have mm-hmm. these like really yellow golden looking ones, too. And I was like, wow, you know, I th- that was the the lake that specifically inspired the uh, bluegill paintings. So. Now, Hannah, one thing I've always wondered with the different bluegills, are they all just technically bluegills or is there actually subspecies within so like when i say bluegill but one's a sunny or i mean are they all the same scientific species of fish or are they something different they are when it like when it comes to just the you know color phases and bluegills those are all the same species and where it can get kind of muddied is if they you know hybridize with a pumpkin seed and then they breed with a bluegill again so then like there might be like a slight bit of pumpkin seed within the bluegills lineage which might you know be considered a certain subspecies but usually how we classify um sunfish at least in our areas you know you have the bluegills the pumpkin seeds greens and then you have hybrid sunfish and that's kind of a collective of any type of hybridization that's going on okay yeah i know we did some research a while ago and they said actually the hybrids grow the fastest. I don't know why, but they said the hybrid ones tend to get the biggest and grow the fastest. So. Yeah, it's kind of a running joke in our office. Like if it's not a hundred percent bluegill that, you know, like you try to look for those big 10 inch bluegills. Right. And we've caught some hybrids at 10 inch. We get excited about, but you know, if it's not that perfect strain of bluegill, mm. it doesn't count. I'm like, come on, it's huge. You know? <laughs> so switching a little bit, talking, we talked about your fishery experience a little bit. What is a day look like as a fishery person yeah yeah i mean and it can vary so much like i could have this exact same job up in baudette minnesota it would be totally different how it is in hutchinson but i could just run you through a you know typical day throughout the seasons for me so right now i kind of like to start in the winter just because it's the easiest you know it's a lot Mm -hmm. of maintenance and repair um, I'm a fisheries technician, so that means I'm in charge of patching all the nets. So it's a lot of sitting in the garage, working on floats, working on nets, winterizing boats, um, you know, making sure our electric fishing boat's ready to go for the for the summertime. Um, and then also working on lake management plans and and getting those written up for the the public. Um, and then come as soon as the uh, ice is off the lake, you're out there where our 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 thing we're doing now in Hutchinson is like I mentioned our walleye tagging studies. Um, we've been switching, um, or running through our lakes that we, we feel could use some extra, um, information on walleye. So we'll go out and we'll tag walleye in the spring and then go back out in the summer and do a recapture, um, survey. Mm -hmm. And these fish are tagged also for anglers, you know, if they catch them, they can call in a tag number. So Mm -hmm. it kind of helps us understand the population using anglers in the area. Um, I also do a lot of work with hatcheries, the Spicer New London hatchery will go and we'll actually get to go strip eggs and milk from fish 
And um, yeah, so you're, you're literally like you're throwing the eggs in the milk in the bowl and mixing it with the goose feather was <laughs> your technical tool because it's super gentle. And uh, yeah, once those are mixed together, together, they water harden and they're fertilized and they take about 14 days to hatch. And then you're out the next couple of weeks um, uh, stocking lakes with walleye fry. So that's wow. kind of the big spring, uh, the big spring activity. Um, and like I mentioned, we do some tr- ice out trap netting for uh, bluegills and crappies. We do some panfish assessments then. Um, and then summer is kind of the main survey that people think about when you see the gill net floats out on the lake and the trap nets. <laughs> so we, we go out and, you know, spend a, spend a week on each lake typically and, and collect population data that way. Um, I also am very big into outreach work, you know, using my artistic ability, go out and do a lot of work with different communities, schools, um, and, and anybody who would like to learn either fishing or what we do, or even a food to table type of, or lake to table type of class. Um, and then comes fall and that's the hard, hard grind of walleye fingerling harvest where you're out and, you know, sometimes 30 degree weather, 30 degree or 30 mile per hour winds, lifting nets, taking the the fingerlings that grew up over the summer in our walleye ponds and stocking them in our in our fishing lakes. And then it kind of repeats, you know, you go back into winter and we do some uh, tomorrow, actually, I'm going out and I am going to do some fish house counts, which oh. is going to be very low <laughs> compared to, to many other years. There was so. three crazy people we found. Other than that, everybody's <laughs> yeah, in yeah. one hole in the ice. And I don't yeah. know what happened there. <laughs> I looked at my coworker's data. He took the southern half of our area. And I think there was only one lake that had like five anglers on it, but the rest were all zeros. So yeah, wow. it's uh, still still a little bit sketchy to get out on the ice around here, but hopefully, yeah, maybe tomorrow there'll be a few more with the, the cold snap. So, so yeah, it's like a, a day a day in the life is so different, and each year changes so much too. But yeah, so what's your educational background for that job? So I'm kind of a unique case when it comes to getting into fisheries. I did not even know fisheries was a branch of the DNR. Um, until I interned with fisheries. I, I applied for a DNR internship. I was actually an environmental studies major okay. at college, College of St. Benedict. Um, oh, St. Ben's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And going into that, I thought the environmental studies was the same <laughs> as science. So I, I found that out that it was more, you know, of a sustainability um, type of major versus a scientific sure. uh, majors so it was yeah it was a very kind of interesting transition i was like wow after interning with fisheries i'm like this is the coolest thing ever how do i move more towards that and i was able to um once i graduated college i applied for an emergency hire uh walleye fingerling um harvest position out in ortonville and so that was like a three-month long position that led to another three-month long position that led to another one and then finally was able to secure full-time work in hutchinson as a fisheries technician so, that's cool that's yeah, awesome so it's yeah you can make it work even if you don't have the specific you know fisheries wildlife background that a lot of people have but yeah definitely you got to start from the bottom up which is in my opinion great because you really get mm-hmm. to learn all the different positions you know all the ins and outs so what's the um most interesting thing you've ever caught in a net anything mm-hmm. unexpected um well one of the the coolest things is an american eel we got on the minnesota river oh. So that was, okay. I never expected to see one of those. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, there was another, 
we were out on one of our in our walleye ponds and this wasn't like super unique but i mean these are you know ponds that winter kill every year for the sure. most um and that's why we've chose them to be rearing ponds because you know there's no predators to oh. you know complete the the walleye fry that we were sucking in there we found a 20 inch smallmouth bass in one of our rearing oh. ponds <laughs> he was happy yeah yeah <laughs> he ate all your walleyes yeah yeah it, that's the coolest thing it's like i mean you go to lift a net and you're you know targeting a certain species but you never really know what you're gonna pull up which is which is pretty cool what's the biggest walleye you've ever netted biggest walleye i think was 29 okay that's I, should, I should say in our area when in i worked in spicer i think we got a 31 inch walleye mm. yeah there's some big big females out in that area so how long in Hutchinson area would it take a, a walleye to get to be 29 inches? Um, well, less than it would take one to get to that size <laughs> up in like the, the iron oh, range. Up in Canada. So it, yeah. it still varies, you know, so much lake to lake around here. Okay. But I know usually like in our in our very productive lakes, we'll see, you know, by the second winter, they're usually, you know, for, for fishermen that don't mind a walleye on the smaller size, they'll they'll take and keep. keep oh, wow. One or two seasons. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. walleye taco, taco fish. You know, it's that perfect taco play. The taco is a taco. I yeah. made those this week. I made walleye tacos this week. Oh, really that's, oh, I'm excited. I can't wait. They were they were ones that I had caught earlier in the year. <laughs> Not ones I caught this year. Not so. one that fresh. Yeah. How did you get started ice ice fishing? Yeah, I actually got started later in life compared to a lot of Minnesotans. My family um i actually grew up in chicago um and move and i moved to minnesota pretty young like second grade but but that being said my dad wasn't into ice fishing um you know we didn't have the equipment that it took you know to get out there you know that fishing i mean we all he always fished growing up but never you know hard water fished and i think uh it was actually college i joined the um the ice fishing or the fishing club it was cool but our big trip was to lake of the woods and oh. so that was, that was super fun, you know, and we'd go up there and ha- get in the sleeper house, which like you, you, you having that ice fish was like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Just hanging out, catching fish day and night. And so that's what really got me into it. I don't think I actually really purchased gear until I moved out to Hutchinson, you know, got my first, you know, flasher and yep. finally saved up to get an electric auger versus my little hand auger type thing. But uh, yeah, and actually now it's, you know, I got my dad into ice fishing and got him sure. his first flasher. And so now we go out quite a bit and him just retiring sure. this year, we're chomping at the bit to get out. So yeah, it's been a tough year for that this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I had some buddies actually at the, um, the ice fishing show by, uh, what is the new fancy um, $2,000, the live oh, scope. The- Oh, live scope. live scope! Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> he hasn't even been able to use it yet. Oh, yes. We're just sitting at home looking at it. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't have live scope in our world yet either. So. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, I'm gonna wait for that to come. You know out. what I found cheaper is having friends that have them. Yeah. <laughs> so you just say, keep encouraging your buddies to buy them, and then you don't need. I mean, because you don't need two in an ice shack. Oh, absolutely. Not. Yeah. Right. right. You yeah. just need one. It's kind of like friends with cabins in that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Jason's my friend with a cabin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeff's my friend with a sleeper house. There, there you, you go. go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, it, it takes a village, I guess. Yeah. Does. Does. yeah. I was going to ask you, so 
with your fishing, what types of things from your your work has helped you with uh, learning how to fish and being more successful in that? Yeah, I mean, I guess mostly, you know, because you never know when the fish are going to bite, right? But just finding out, you know, the, you know, population demographics of a lake. When we were out, um, we just, you can look up the data on, on Lake Marion in the area. I've probably gone out and fished that lake four or five times, hard water and, you know, open water fishing. Really, I know the walleye bite was hot, but I've never been able to pick up crappies. Um, we've got some huge bluegills in our, our nets when we were out there. And it was just crazy to see all these like big, nice fish, anything from crappies to bass to bluegills to walleye. And you're, you're out there just, you know, like you're seeing them on the Vexlar nothing's biting, but just having that information, um, is unique. You know, you really get to see some cool stuff when you lift those nets up and also just, you know, where fish are habitat wise, you know, not, um, not having a boat most of my life or, you know, getting out and, and having a camera down there. You get to really see with the nets where you set them, where the fish like to hang out. Um, okay. I know, you know, the different, like you could be in, you know, quote unquote, a bowl shaped lake. And, and for some reason, the mall is really like this corner, but it doesn't oh. make sense why, you know, <laughs> like they could be anywhere, but for some reason they hang out right there. So that's kind of what I've picked up mostly with, with just, uh, through my job. Yeah. Cool. So, like, when you describe that in a bowl, if you're in a bowl shape, like, you'll see it, like, where there's literally just, you know, because as a walleye fisherman, we're always like, oh, the structure's over there. There's a bump or a rock or whatever. You're talking just, like, it's just the spot and who knows why. Yep. And that's what makes, you know, Hutchinson area so unique to walleye fish is because there are a lot of our lakes that have, you know, a lack of structure. Or there's other lakes, such as um, one of our larger lakes, like Washington, um, is almost all littoral zone, which means... Uh, you know, there's aquatic vegetation growing throughout the whole oh. bottom of the lake. So it's like walleyes could be over here, walleyes could be over there, crappies over here, bluegills over there, largemouth, smallmouth. And it makes it really hard to, you know, the, the fish aren't congregated in a certain spot. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it makes it, it's, it's tough that way. But again, yeah, where the net sets are, you're like, hmm, for some reason, the smallmouth really like it right there, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. So. Like when you talk about fish, it's interesting to me because I feel like we use words to describe fish that are like, I don't know, not very complex. And you can be like, oh, it's the Littoral Lake. And I, I know, know when I try to stay away from <laughs> No, the- you're good. I was, just- busy Google- I was busy Googling that. <laughs> it, it's great. It just makes me realize like, you know, we I've fished my whole life. I feel like I study it a fair amount and I know there's just so much more to know than I, I know right now. Oh, I, I feel that every day. I mean, the more I learn about, you know, fishing and just fishery science as, as a whole, you know, the, like the more you know, the more you know, you don't know. <laughs> you go through those phases of, wow, I really know a lot about fishing. And then as you learn more, you actually go, oh, I actually don't know much of anything yeah. at all. <laughs> I, yeah, I feel that all the time. No, it's, yeah, like you 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 go out there and you knock it out of the park one day and you you catch a bunch and you're like, okay, I got this lake figured out. And then the next three trips nothing are you kidding me yeah yeah it's so different all the time what's your favorite fish to target if you're out i think ice fishing my favorite fish to catch is crappie i just you know they're a bigger you know pan fish that can really you know make a a quick meal of and then because i i'm a big subsistence fisherman i mean i you know you know if you catch something big or too small obviously throw it back but 
I, I, I love going out for a fresh fish mm-hmm. meal. Um, and crappies mm-hmm. are some of my favorite. And like I said, it, you know, you wait around for walleye sometimes all day or crappie, <laughs> you hit a school, you, you know, my favorite thing is like having them come through and just catching them one after another. And then they'll, you know, be gone for 15 yep. and they'll come back. And it's just, yeah, I, I love fishing for crappies. It's a lot of fun. So you, you mentioned something that I've always wondered, and and I don't know if you know this or not, but I'll ask you anyway. Like, why do they do that? So like crappies, will, they'll move around. And I've, I've been fishing for walleyes and I'll never forget the first time I had a camera down and I'm sitting there fishing and all of a sudden walleyes start flying through the camera. Like, like it was like a sidewalk in New York yeah. <laughs> and like one turned and I, and I caught it and then they were gone and that was the end of it. And then like four hours later, they come the other direction, like just on the sidewalk. And I'm like, just like a, a tons of them. And I'm like, and I caught one and then they were gone. I'm like, where were you going? Yeah. How do I know where you, where did you go? And can I go there too? <laughs> you know, I do not know the answer to that. I would love to have someone enlighten me on that as well. Cause yeah, it's okay. it interesting. And like, why just in that area? I mean, usually yeah. when you're fishing a lake, it's like, you got, they could, they could take hours to get around the whole thing, you know, but for some reason it's just, you know, a set time, you know, 15, yeah. 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. I beats me. It's like, they're going to punch the clock or they're going for lunch <laughs> or something. It's lunch time. The thing. I know it's lunchtime. <laughs> Yeah. I see Fred Flintstone with the they pull the seriously the, 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 the horn and everybody all the fish leave. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I am not sure. I'm not sure. So crappies. That explains your picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I always wonder why there's not more crappie. You know, you see so many walleye. Like if, if you're gonna go to fish paintings, you know, as a whole, like there aren't that many fish artists yeah. out there, but typically people do the bass, the walleyes, you know, sometimes you get a northern, some muskies, a lot of trout, you know, a yeah. lot of, I feel like there's lots of trout artists out there because usually, you know, people who are fishing for trout have to be pretty artistic anyways, if they're tying their own flies kind of thing. And, but crappies, you know, there's, there's a, a lack of art, you know, mm-hmm. celebrating crappies. So I'm like, we gotta, especially like ice fishing for crappies, yeah. right? So yeah, that was the, that was kind of the impetus for that one. So cool. I do, I do though, when I look at your paintings, the, the most vibrant ones are definitely the sunfish. I mean, the, the crappies come out, but those, those sunfish pictures, there's just so many colors in them. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, uh, it was kind of a fun, like I said, I tried to do each color phase or choose one that looked red or yellow. And yeah, it's just, I mean, the more you look, the more colors you see. So we had Brian Brostall on the phone on the show a couple of years ago. Was it a year ago already? It was either last season or the he's, season before. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's that's his like he loves big sunfish. Okay. You need to you should just find him and send him a link to your website and you'll probably yeah, sell like, something. <laughs> <laughs> or send it to his wife if she's looking for a gift. For yeah. Him. Right, right. Yeah. 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 That's a good idea. I know. And I'm in uh coming to the ice fishing expo was kind of my first attempt at getting in with you know some some fishermen and and angling audiences versus just at an art craft show and it was it was great yeah you know you and it's like after talking to you guys it's you know you could have fish paintings next to other artists and you know other artists coming in to look at your art but it's really the fishermen and fisherwomen and anglers out there that appreciate those fine details that you see when you're catching you know certain species yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because if you if you haven't actually interacted with them in the natural wor- world, you wouldn't. So what's what's next? What do you think your next big project's going to be? 
Uh, so right now I'm trying to play catch up with ice fishing paintings. The one behind me, actually, it's kind of blurry oh, on the yeah. camera. But, um, it's a rainbow trout from the, the bottom side looking up at the oh. So the next step, I'm going to add some lures coming and sitting down. And, you know, sometimes, especially, you know, this weekend's trout opener. So I wanted to get that uh, finished by then <laughs> and uh, uh, just kind of show a painting that's alluding, you know, those trout that are just ignoring everything. You can yeah. see them. Nope. It's kind of like the crappie, right? You know, like, nope. nah. <laughs> yeah, no. I'll look at it, maybe, maybe bump it or kind of yeah. you know, suck it in or something, but I'm not going to take that thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, that yeah. I, I'm trying to finish those ones up, but otherwise, um, like I mentioned, I'm going to do that big musky. Uh, yeah. uh, another one that I'm doing is a kind of a really golden walleye under a full moon. Uh, and then a burbot slash eel pout with uh, kind of the Milky Way, kind of, kind of, um, you know, playing off the different spots it has on on its body. So those are my next three big paintings, fish related. Um, but yeah, otherwise I got some others on the back burner that I wanted to wanted to get finished. I have a big piebald deer that I I want to get done, um, and then a uh, an eagle painting that that's <laughs> been sitting around for a while. It's hard to, you know, coming off so many commissions to go into doing your own work and having that, sure. you know. That, That's what I was going to ask you. So you do commissions. So I people... do commissions. Yep. And typically the last couple of years, at least I've, I've done commissions, you know, mid or beginning of summer up through uh, the holiday season. And then January 1st comes and I usually set them down for this year. It's going to sure. be six months because I really okay. want to work on my own stuff. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, uh, like you mentioned, murals. Um to to kind of like focus on some murals this year as well and those those take a lot of work especially wow. also having a full-time job so so yeah but yeah so that's those are my next big things coming up i'm sure hours can just melt away when you're in your studio painting i'm sure it's like oh my gosh i gotta go to bed i gotta get up in the morning <laughs> to go to work well and it's always one of those things where you get home from work and you're dragging and then I get into the studio 8 p.m. and I'm just ready to go. It's 10 30. I'm like, I could go for another two yeah. hours. And you know, it just it's not a great cycle. Yes. <laughs> Doing something you love, you know? Right, right. Some of yeah. us just sit and scroll on our phone till midnight. It sounds like you're being more productive. <laughs> yeah, I've done that too, you know. <laughs> Call it info, inspiration time. You know? Inspiration yeah, I'm look, time. I'm yeah. looking yeah. for I'm trying to be inspired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just putting off something usually. <laughs> something I should be doing. <laughs> so where can our listeners find more information about your art or where can they buy it yeah so i have my own website it's hannahonimaart.com um i'm also on uh instagram i think it's my it's an at hanama art okay. um but if you go to my website all these social media handles are in there um i also have a facebook page for my art and, um, you know, I try to keep up with the LinkedIn and the Pinterest pages, but, you know, <laughs> they go on the back burner sometimes, but all those, all those, um, I'm an Etsy as well. I don't have any of my paintings on there right now. I have some of my merch. Um, I know you guys are aware, but yeah, I have some t-shirts and hats that I sell with some of my artwork on them. Um, but so that's kind of mostly what my Etsy focuses on at the moment, just so I don't get too overwhelmed with stuff. But yeah, any of those sites, um, and and to be honest, on, on any of those platforms, you can message me and I can direct you, you know, to something you're interested in and, um, you know, you know, find me anywhere, anywhere there. So. Right. 
I'll put a link on our on the description here too, so they can find it if you look at the show notes. But sometimes if you're in your car, it's harder to go look at that. So oh, yeah, well, and especially yeah, like uh, Hannah Anima, it starts with an A, you know. Yeah. But it is nice having you know a unique last name like that. Yeah. All you have to do is type in Hannah Anima, and usually pops right up on Google. So yeah, stuff. So it helps helps a little bit that way. It's a blessing and a curse. I kind of I have right. a somewhat unique last name too. So yes, you're you're gonna find me if you Google it. So. All right, so this is the hardest question we're going to ask. Um, we I always like to have our guests give us their best, we call it our ice fishing legend, but our story or legend of something that happened while you were ice fishing. Gosh, that is a tough one. Cause I, you know, I don't have any of those like giant fish stories. Right. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of, one of fish that I did get mounted um, was a yellow perch uh 13 and a half inch yellow perch that wow. was caught uh in four foot of water uh we were out there fishing for walleyes and you know it was fighting like a big walleye and pulling that up i've never seen i mean like there's bigger perch out there obviously sure. but pulling that thing up was just insane and like you said just the different colors you know from a you know tiny kind of washed out perch this thing was like got that bright yellow almost like a touch of orange on the belly type thing mm-hmm. so that was like a super fun you know and it, that one was great too because um that night me and me and uh my friend's wife were in the fish house and the two boys were out got kicked out onto sure. the portable <laughs> so they didn't hear us just Woo! you know yeah. so that was that was pretty fun that was pretty cool um but yeah otherwise uh for the past couple years gotten into sturgeon fishing on the St. Croix and that is even if you're catching you know quote-unquote smaller fish you know 24 25 inch fish it it is a fight and it is so much fun um my again uh i didn't catch the big 45 incher but just helping get that thing up out of the hole was was pretty cool Cool. so yeah that's on our list of things to try someday sturgeon fishing yeah we need to do that and and we were talking to who I don't know. I can't remember her name. Um, uh, she was from from uh, uh, Women Anglers of Minnesota. Oh, yep. Yeah. She came on and talked about sturgeon fishing, too. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a blast. I think the hardest thing was kind of making sure you had the right gear, you know, so trying to fight this big fish. Um, I forget what company we went through, but it's like more of a, it's like a, for big catfish. I think okay. it's like a catfish rod, but it's like a short open water rod. Oh. That, okay. You know, to make sure that we're not losing losing rods trying to fish for these big fish but yeah yeah your standard crappie rod wouldn't wouldn't deal that <laughs> yeah and you know, hey yeah props to anyone who can get one <laughs> through the ice with that thing but yeah. and i love the perch when they get big like that they look so different you know you catch a little perch and it's just a skinny little perch but you know they they kind of bulge out in different places yeah, and stuff perfect. when they get that big yeah yeah no and it yeah it was very unexpected to see that big fish so yeah i love it every time a fish gets a forehead yeah 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 right just like, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's almost like the head's too small for the body kind yeah of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah forehead to him i got one more there's there's oh. a uh like i'm like thinking of all these things now but um we've got a, a lake in the area that has a very late ice crappie bite and oh. for some reason you can only find crappies uh at the size so we kept we're catching like 16 inches 15 to 16 wow. Wow. and i'm like and i 
you know, I'm not trying to tell fish stories, but it, it's like legitimately big. Like, I think we caught two 15s and a 16, you know, this in the same day. And it's like, I, when we're catching them, you're in a t-shirt on the ice and you're oh. treading really lightly <laughs> trying to find these fish. But, um, so yeah, that, that was another fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm glad you said more. some lake. Just- that's a yeah, right. talk about that more. Off, yeah, right? we might have no. to talk about that more at, later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that we, might be worth a trip from Iowa. We've yeah. been to that lake before. That that Nunya Lake, right? Nunya, Nunya yeah. Business yeah. Lake. Nunya yeah, Business that one. Lake. <laughs> I just found a lake in our area. I I hadn't noticed it before. It's like wish you could get on here or something. It's like all one word or something. I'm like, wait, has anyone seen this? It's, wow, fun yeah. with Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah, was there anything like that we didn't ask about that you were like gosh i really thought we should, we should talk about that if there's anyone in need of a fish mural i'm i'm i haven't quite uh you know figured out the scope of the project yet but currently i'm 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 i love the minnesota river just having okay. a, a minnesota river specialist in our hutchinson office i i currently i work on the area lakes but i i will go help out our minnesota river specialists on the minnesota river and just you know all the spectacular crazy cool species there i'm i'm trying to contact towns along the minnesota river and and do a fish per town like a big wow buffalo mural i think i've got a shorthead red horse pretty much done Um, i'm working on the paddle fish uh, but then I have a gar and a, a channel catfish in the works too. So that's kind of a, a project, a, a pipe dream, if you want to call it, the, to get fish along the Minnesota River in each uh, river town. Um, so a tour and go go check them all out too. Yeah, exactly. Done. Yeah, at all the fun, you know, restaurants, breweries, check out the fish murals. So that if sounds not like a good yeah, thing. Yeah, if anyone has connections for for businesses that might like that, you know let me know. Um, and also just, uh, I'm looking, I, I applied to do a mural in Wisconsin. Unfortunately it didn't, it didn't work out, but this oh. was a, uh, mural, um, of all the native fish in our, in our river systems. And I think, you know, our native fish species are so important. I kind of want to highlight them with a big, huge mural. So that's another one I'm looking for a big wall to, to, to paint on. So oh. yeah. Anyone looking for some art, you know, on their, on a, on a business wall, let me know. Seems like now, an easy sell. It seems like yeah. there's so many people would be like, I would love to have that on the side of my building or restaurant right. or brewery. So yeah. it's just, yeah, it's about finding some people love it. Some people not so much. So it's about finding that, you know, person who's excited about it. I know um, St. Peter, Minnesota just opened a new brewery. I think it actually might be this weekend as their grand opening um, oh. paddle brewing company. So for all the, the paddlefish lovers to go check that one out. <laughs> I, I I gotta get down there myself. So Hannah, really appreciate you having you on the show. This has been Great. an awesome discussion. And I feel like there's even more to talk about. So maybe we'll have you on again. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, if I get a little further with some of these big projects, yeah. I'd love to come on and talk about those and um yeah, see where I am with my DNR job if I'm still in Hutch, if I'm somewhere else, you know, to discuss the fisheries there. So yeah, it'd be great. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. We want to thank Hannah for coming on the show, and we hope we can actually have her on again in the future to talk more about fishing. And uh, we want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Tight lines. Cheers. 
five. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.